We turn in God's Word this morning then to the book of Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. For those of you who are visiting, we are in the midst of a series of messages from the book of Joshua uh, dealing with uh, lessons on spiritual warfare. Uh, This is the eighth one, so you can go to the church website and look back on the others. Uh, We've entitled the message this morning, Returning to Your Defeat. Returning to Your Defeat. This evening we continue our summer series on those whose names begin with the letter P in the alphabet. And uh, tonight it's on Persis, probably another individual most of us uh, probably have never heard of before, and yet what a lesson uh, this individual has to teach us as well. So Joshua chapter 8, we're returning again to Ai. We were there last week, but last week the Israelites were defeated. They went to this town, but were defeated. They got chased away, 36 of their uh, valiant soldiers fell. It was uncovered that uh, the reason for this was Achan's sin. At least that's one of the causes. And so now we return, Joshua chapter 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourself. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city But all of you remain ready, and I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when we come out against it, just as before, we shall flee before them. And they will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city. For they will say they are fleeing from us, just as before. So we will flee before them. Then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will give it into your hand. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of ambush and lay between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night among the people. So Joshua arose early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people of Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north of the city and its rear guard west of the city. But Joshua spent that night in the valley. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out early to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush behind him, behind the city. So Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open. 
and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. The men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place, and as soon as he stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it, and they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that, for the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city and that the smoke of the city went up, then they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out of the city against them so that they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was none left that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him near to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued them, and all of them in the, to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as their plunder according to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it forever a heap of ruins as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening and at sunset Joshua commanded they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised over it a great heap of stones, which stands there to this day. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's again ask for God's blessing on it. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word that you have given us. We pray that you'll be with Pastor Bob this day as he explains in more detail to us that we may understand it better and how we may use it in this day and age. We, thank, we ask you for your blessings upon this today as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're following the outline this morning, we'll take this with three main points. Number one, other observations on the defeat of AI. Secondly, the Lord's instructions. And thirdly, a different outcome. So other observations, the Lord's instructions, and then thirdly, a different outcome. Are there other reasons as we reflect back upon Joshua chapter 7 of reasons why Israel was defeated? We know that the main reason as was uncovered in chapter 7 was Achan's sin. He had taken some of those things and the people in a covenant relationship with God, had broken faith. Were there other mistakes? Well, I think we can note two, at least. One, they were way too overconfident. Right? Remember, remember how the, those spies came back and said, you don't need everybody. You don't need to take everyone. That's not necessary. Just take two or 3,000. That's plenty to deal with it. They're overconfidence. They underestimated the strength and power 
But it would appear, as we also read in chapter 8 now, they might have been a little overconfident and even underestimated the power of the enemy. It's not as small a town as we thought, is it? 12,000 people. Bigger than Coopersville. It's not that little of a burg. That's what the spies report. That's what the spies made it sound like. But it was a little bit bigger than that. Perhaps there's a reminder to us as the church in this day and age as we face the, the spiritual battles of this present age. Let's not be overconfident. Let's not underestimate the power of the enemy and let's not overestimate our power as well. There's an overconfidence. Perhaps it's because of that victory over Jericho, right? I mean, we've all seen it on the sports scene. A team that on a given Saturday or Friday night might win some great victory over uh, their, their opponent. Uh, it, it might be their great rival. They come up with a victory and it's thrilling. There's a great accomplishment. The next week on their schedule, they have somebody minor. You know, they always schedule the, per- the team they know they can always beat for homecoming, right, on, on that next week. And so here come the next week. But they're so overconfident by what they did The next week, they look horrible, and they go down in flames of defeat. Maybe that victory, not through the Lord's intent, obviously, but through their own understanding, they were simply overcome. Hey, we beat Jericho. We can beat Ai. We don't need to do anything. But there's something else that is a mistake, and it's not just their overconfidence. It's their lack of preparation. If you go back over and read again this afternoon, perhaps, Joshua chapter 7, you'll note there's no consulting the Lord. You note there's no prayer. There's no Joshua going and saying, Lord, what would you like us to do with Ai? He sends out spies. The spies say, take two, three thousand. Joshua does it. There is no prayer. Maybe that's one of the reasons why when we go back to chapter 7, And we have Joshua praying, oh Lord, what's going on? The Lord says, get up. Like you didn't pray to me before, why are you praying now? Why now do you raise a prayer when before you were looking to your own power and your own strength and your own ideas? And so I think particularly because of what we're going to cover next, their overconfidence, But also the fact that now in chapter 8, what do we hear? We hear the voice of God. We do not hear the voice of God before they go to battle against Ai. I think it comes to us as a reminder again in our day and age that we are never to move forward in spiritual battle on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own understandings, what we think is the best way. It's always, always in prayer. It's always to seek the Lord in the way in which we are to follow through. Too often, we respond without prayer. And that, even as we see with the people of Israel, 
leads to defeat after defeat. But now we're into chapter 8. What do we have? We have the Lord's instructions. The Lord, remember at the end of chapter 7, turned from his fierce anger. Turned from his burning anger. Right? The payment has been made in the death of Achan and his family and all his possessions. They're under a pile of rocks. The Lord turns from his anger and what does he do? He now comes and graciously speaks to his people. You have to note that as chapter 8 begins then when we have, and the Lord said to Joshua, what grace, what grace that the Lord is speaking again to his people, that the Lord is coming again to his people. Their sin having been atoned for, now he addresses them as his covenant people once again. Listen to the instructions. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time over these, but just follow along. One, take all. Notice that? Look at verse one. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men. What was the spy's advice? Two, three thousand. Joshua took it, they lost. What does God now say? Take all. Take every single last fighting man that you have in camp. Leave none behind. Take them all. That's his instruction. Secondly, destroy all. Leave none alive. Destroy all the inhabitants. Verse one as well. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land, and you shall do to Ai as you did to the king of Jericho. All. All. All human inhabitants. And once again, this would, this would be one of those passages. When we come to something like this and, and the conclusion of what happens here, that, that so many in our day and age would say, well, you see, I just can't worship a God like that. I, I just cannot worship a God who, who would just, just willy-nilly destroy people. Who, who would just declare, they have to all die. I can't worship a God like that. Or they come up with this inventive scheme of somehow that's the God of the Old Testament, but it's not the God of the New Testament. That, that's this vengeful God of the Old Testament, not the super loving God of the New Testament. In theology and in churches and in various circles, the, these are the kind of attitudes you have. It's the attitude of the society around us who just want to dismiss out all of this Old Testament stuff, yet God is laying for us a foundation. And we would have to maintain when we look at this, this is a just God. And if we don't maintain the justice of God, then what is happening on Calvary? What is happening in Christ's death? The only reason the grace of God to you and I is, is so blessed, is such grace, is because there is the justice of God, the like justice. In fact, I would say an even greater justice is falling upon Christ. 
So are these two different gods? No. No. Why then does God declare that all of these citizens of Ai must die? Well, God is just. Right? These are pagans. These are non-worshippers of God. These are people who have turned their back upon the living God. Two, as is evident in the passage, they are arrogant, they are prideful over their victory over God's people. They defeated God's people and they're enjoying it rather than a sense of mourning over the sin, over the failure. How could this be? You see, there is an arrogance, there is a pride that God is actually going to use to be their downfall. Thirdly, this is to create fear as well in all the other nations that surround. Remember, Canaan is inhabited by multiple peoples. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, you know, all those ites. God is being gracious. Flee. <laughs> you want to die? Stay. But if you want to live, then flee. Else what's happening to AI is going to happen to you. It is indeed as well a note of solemn warning that God is sounding in the defeat, the complete annihilation of these cities. Third, Take all, destroy all. Third, use all. What do I mean by use all? End of verse 2. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourself. Oh, if only Achan had waited, huh? Right? Maybe. If only Achan had waited. How greedy. How often is that not true of us as well, right? Our impatience. We want the quick, get quick, rich scheme so we'll circumvent the truth of God's word in order to get rich quick. We'll go behind the Lord's back. We'll, we'll try to in some way engage in some sinful activity under the radar in the hopes of getting rich only if we had only waited. Think of Achan, takes that stuff. When they defeat AI, what was God's? You can take as much stuff as you want. You don't even need to hide it. You don't even need to put it under your tent. Use it all. It's yours. This isn't even a, you have to take this portion and dedicate it to the Lord as they did with Jericho. This is, it's all yours. If only Achan had waited. The Lord's best. The Lord's best was right around the corner. But he had to have it his way. Fourthly, the Lord's instructions. Take all, destroy all, use all. And then God gives them a plan. And I find this fascinating. I find it fascinating to think about what God is actually telling them to do as far as it, it deals with our day and our generation and Christ's words of, right? 
Be as wise as a serpent, but be as innocent as a dove. Here it is. You want to see what wise as a serpent, but innocent as a dove looks like? Joshua chapter 8. This is it. What's the plan? Lay an ambush. And it's interesting how many times God says it. And how many times the word says it. Let me just count for you. Verse 2, verse 4, verse 7, verse 9, verse 12, verse 14, verse 19, verse 21. An ambush, an ambush, an ambush. We today in the church, I'm afraid, would look at this and say, oh, I don't think we should lay ambushes. We shouldn't do that to our enemies. What's God saying? Repeatedly, over and over and over and over, set them up. Set them up. Set them up for a failure. That's what an ambush is. Set them up. Be smart. Be wise. Sometimes when we engage the enemy of this day, of this age, it is indeed to be an ambush. We say, is that okay? God told them to do it. God told them it was permissible. God even told them to play act. God even told them that there needs to be a decoy. Pretend like you're defeated. So here's this elaborate plan. Joshua, take some of your soldiers. At night, go around to the back of the city of Ai. Joshua, take some of your soldiers and cut off the path, the road that leads to Bethel, who might come to the aid of Ai. So he takes 30,000 soldiers and puts them behind Ai. He takes, I think it's 5,000 was the number, puts them on the road, the pass, to cut off Bethel from assisting them. And then Joshua, the commander stays with the people. Obviously, that's to be seen. Obviously, that's so the king goes, oh, he's with the people, he's with the people. This is, this is where it's coming from. And the next day, what do they do? Here's the plan. Go forward just like you did last time, Joshua. Take your people, go forward. You know what's going to happen? The king of Ai is going to say, them stupid people, here they come again. Let's do it again. Come on, folks, let's go get them. Let's go get them. And when they do, when they've left the city, raise your javelin. When they come out of the city, run. Run like you did before. Oh, we're so scared. Oh, they're going to get us again. They're going to catch us. They're going to kill some of us. As soon as they're all out of the city, raise your javelin. What's that a signal to? Everybody turn around. Face them. As soon as that is done, the 30,000 that are in ambush, you step forward, set fire to the city. And then come. And now you got them caught in the middle. Here's the plan. Do they do it? Absolutely. 
That's why the chapter is so long, because first we get God's instructions, but then we need to hear this is exactly what the people did in detail. But you see, there is an understanding here, isn't there? Verse 14 is kind of where it all comes down to. As soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out early to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle, but he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. Why does this work? Because the Lord knows the sinful heart of men. And the Lord knows the salvation of the devil. And the Lord knows he cannot resist another opportunity. But he is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. And he does not know the mind and the heart of God. But God knows exactly how Satan is going to respond. Another opportunity. Take it. Don't you find that in the New Testament as well with Jesus and the Pharisees? Right? Who Jesus calls sons of their father the devil. Don't you find the same thing happening? What happened? It's like, he healed somebody else. Let's go after him. Rather than thinking, hey, the last time we did this, this didn't end up so good. We looked pretty much foolish. No, another opportunity. Let's go get him. And what does Jesus do? Bam, right back at him. Oh, he did something else. He said something else. Let's go at him again. Rather than going, you know, this way of encountering Jesus really isn't working. Maybe we should, no. It's the salvation of Satan. But he does not know the mind of God or the heart of God and the passion of God for his people. That's why it works. The enemy always goes too far. Thirdly, our third point, a different outcome. A different outcome, one, because of Israel's obedience. They did what God commanded, right? It's repeated several times. As God commanded, as God commanded, they did it. They followed the instructions of the Lord. They didn't follow their own plan. They didn't follow their own wisdom. They didn't follow some, some worldly pattern to make this work. They listened to the voice of God. As we have been saying for weeks now, we are engaged as the church of Jesus Christ against some pretty powerful spiritual forces in this world. Satanic power that is at work. The church has always faced this. The church in the Old Testament is facing this here in Joshua chapter 8. What is always the key, what is always the pivotal point for the success, for the victories of God's people? Obedience to the voice of the Lord. 
obedience to the voice of the Lord. Why is there a different outcome? Israel obeyed. Secondly, Israel's victory. Last time, it was a stinging defeat. Last time, we left them with 36 dead soldiers. We left them in confusion, and we left them with hearts that were melted like water. This time, it is a victory, a complete victory, a total victory. Verse 22, the others came out against them, so they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that, and Israel struck them down until none was left that survived or escaped. They do the same with the town, 12,000 people, 12,000 inhabitants total in that day. They kill. I was going to use the word slaughter. That wouldn't be quite correct. They kill. They execute God's judgment upon these folks. Except you say, well, wait a minute. We got the king of Ai. Yeah, and, and he plays a special role here, doesn't he? There, there's, there's almost like God is, is foreshadowing something for us. Yes, we have all these minions, but there is one who is ultimately in control. And I think the, the role of the king of Ai here is to be a reminder to us as God's people of the defeat of God's enemy as well, even Satan. But there's something else, okay? And I just want to end this morning with, with this pile of rocks again. Another reminder. You notice how this ends? Okay. Verse 28. Just go back and read with me these verses. Follow along. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap of ruins, as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded, they took his body down from the tree, threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raised over it a great heap of stones which stands there to this day. It's interesting how many times so far in these eight chapters of Joshua we have read similar words. There is a pile of stones and it remains there till this day. Now, first of all, just, just understand what the text is telling you, right? And we've done this in Bible studies multiple times, but... For those of you who haven't been there, you need to be reminded. To this day means at the time the person wrote it. So at the time that this chapter was written, that pile of stones was still there. To this day, the day the passage is written. It doesn't mean to this day, August 1, 2021. Just to clarify. Those pile of stones, the Jordan. There were piles of stones for the people to remember something. There was Jericho. There's Achan just in the last chapter, right? And they raised over him a pile of stones. What do we, how does this chapter end? And they raised over him a great pile of stones. Over and over and over again, these piles of stones, these piles of stones. There.
And yet, the greatest significance is a move stone. Right? It's not a pile of stones. They're reminders. They were significant for the people. But the greatest significance of a stone is not a pile of stones that remains there to this day. It's a move stone. It's that stone that upon resurrection morning is moved. Not a stone and not a pile of stones that remains. But a stone that has moved. A stone that we never read and remains there till this day. Because the significance is not the stone. It's the fact that Christ lives. Do you see where this chapter ends? This section? It ends in the defeat of God's enemies. It ends in the defeat of Ai. It ends in the defeat of the king of Ai. That's what a pile of stones that is here till this day means. But you and I are not members of a kingdom and we're not followers of a king who is behind a pile of stones and under a pile of stones. He's not defeated. He's not dead. But he lives and he rules and he reigns. Now. Right now. Right now. We're not waiting for it. It's not that some events have to happen to take place. Christ is reigning now. The enemies of Christ have been defeated. They're done. They're over. They're toast. Why? Because Christ is no longer behind a stone. That resurrection, that reminder that our King lives and rules and reigns means That we are not defeated. Even in this day, even in this age, we as those who are part of the body of Jesus Christ, those who are part of the living kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of the victorious reign of Christ, who follow the true Joshua, who follow the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, We are not defeated. We've already won. We already have and possess, even now, eternal life. It's not something we get. It's something we have. We've already defeated death. 
We've already defeated the grave. We have already defeated sin. We've already defeated the devil. We? Yes, we. Through Jesus Christ. His victory is our victory. In Him, we live and rule and reign. In Him, the spiritual enemies of the church of Jesus Christ are underneath a pile of rocks as much as the king of Ai. We do not go forth into this conflict with uncertainty. We know the victor. And we are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Because we're so good. No. It's only because of grace. It's only because of that full of atonement of Christ. It's only because of God's electing love for you and I. You know, sometimes it's popular to say in regards to the book of Revelation, I've read the end of the book and we win. That almost makes it sound like there's some question between now and then. It's not really the correct way to understand it. I've read the end of the book and we win. I read the beginning of the book and we win. Genesis 3.15, and he will crush the serpent. We've already won. It's already done. Let us not be afraid to be the soldiers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this day, in this age. But how do we win? How do we engage this battle? By listening to the voice of the Lord. By following his word, his truth. Not doing things our way. Not doing things the world's way. But doing and living as God would have us live. As his people. With deeds of love and kindness. The heavenly kingdom comes. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you again for your word. What a marvelous text you have given to us this morning. So full of grace. So full of truth. So full of encouragement. So full of hope. So full of passion. But also, Father, so full of a challenge for us today. Father, we pray that we might always follow your voice in this day and age. Even as the culture, Father, raises its troops in so many different ways and facets against us today. Help us to hear and to listen and to follow your voice. Above all the calls of false voices that we hear around us today as well. So that Jesus Christ will be glorified in us. In his name, God's people say... Amen.